0: Welcome to Development Hell. Available now from Dread, the Queen of Spades. According to legend, an ominous entity known as the Queen of Spades can be summoned by performing an ancient ritual. Four teenagers summon the Queen of Spades, but they could never imagine the horrors that await them. The Queen of Spades is available on demand everywhere and on Blu-ray, July 3rd, 2021. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Today we are joined by a very special guest. We have Jinx with us. That's Jason Jenkins. He is a writer on Bloody Disgusting. His column, Phantom Limbs, is also about horror that never happened, and it's awesome. He has a recent article about uh, Candyman 4. He has a really iconic episode about the lost House on Haunted Hill 3 that never was. We're very excited to have Jason back. Um, Jinx, how would you introduce yourself or reintroduce yourself i guess
1: me uh gosh that's a great question um i am a writer for bloody disgusting i have a few columns there including uh phantom limbs uh larval ink i do mask of insanity and i have a comic book column called uh blood ink staples and uh in addition to that i'm the host of scream Addicts, which is a podcast that's currently sort of a uh, well, we're in the middle of a side project called Hammer Pub. wherein a go, <clears throat> a coast of mine named Paul Farrell, and I. We are tackling, um, you know, various Hammer horror films. While uh, <laughs> the original idea was for it to be a drinking podcast, but I became a teetotaler about halfway through. So now, if you listen to any of the current episodes, I am uh, I'm sober, and uh, Paul gets steadily you know more and more drunk as the uh, commentary goes but uh yeah other than that i would just say that i am a uh, all around nerd and movie would fan you say well.
0: the hammer horror movies need your attention or when you're drunk or just not sober does it does it work
1: uh, you know i think hammer horror movies are good okay. for any occasion any age range really well Maybe not some of the 70s movies once they started to dip their toe into sort of grindhouse territory. You start getting into more bloodshed and uh, gore and Uh exploitation and nudity and whatnot once you get into the later years. But the early stuff, like the classic stuff, the early, uh, you know, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee movies. I mean, throw them on at any point. They're good at any time.
0: I also love that these labels either have tried or are trying to make a bit of a comeback. I was talking with someone recently about Dark Castle. How they're sort of releasing yeah. titles again, starting with seance this year. And uh I love them. And I, f- I kind of think that there are modern hammer horror in a way.
1: No, I totally see that. Uh it's funny, I think you and I touched on Dark Castle a little bit during my last uh appearance here, and I I adore them. I really do. I uh it was so strange to see during the late 90s, early aughts, when they were really in their heyday, so many people throwing stones at them, you know, died in the world horror fans. If you were to, uh, this was kind of before social media, so you would have to hop on the message boards or, uh, you know, read the letters pages in Fangoria to sort of take the temperature and see that most of the fans, you know, the older fans did not really care for that run of movies. Meanwhile, you know, me, I'm in college and I'm grinning ear to ear while watching House on Haunted Hill or 13 Ghosts or any... You know, going all the way up through um, probably Orphan. I think Orphan was the last sort of movie that they did before they went the route of like doing some weird Liam Neeson oh, action movies. yeah, they they jumped and, genre. How dare you know, they! It's it just so bizarre. But yeah, you're right. After uh, after this past year, we got Seance, which you know, was maybe not a hundred percent successful as it were, but you know, it's it's at least at least it's dark castle doing horror and that, you know, that had me grinning no matter what, and uh we're getting an upcoming Orphan prequel. I'm looking forward to that. But uh yeah, I yeah, prequels are always weird. I mean, you know, maybe they felt that there was demand for an orphan movie, and uh, you know, well, given the ending of Orphan
0: we are still talking about that ending though, to this day. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> You know, just bring her back like Jason Voorhees. Don't give me a We we already have the prequel. It's built within the previous movie. We know what oh, yeah. happened. You know, so that's that's kind of what bums me out about it. But you know what? Just just do a sequel. Have her have her rise from the lake, you know. A little pissed off and she has neck problems. Otherwise we're good.
0: Now that you're saying it, I do recall being very excited about your article featuring the never made House on Haunted Hill three. So yes, you are, you know, you you, you know what you're talking about.
1: I You know, that conversation was so great. William Massa, he sort of shone a light on the the possibilities of further Dark Castle movies in the late aughts, what the initial plan was for a Warner premiere to fund several straight to DVD movies, including, uh, I mean, they were talking about doing not House on Haunted Hill 3. They were talking about House on Haunted Hill 5, 6, 7. They were going to do a House of Wax sequel. They were gonna do all of this stuff and then the the bottom fell out of that market and that was kind of that. And then uh, a few weeks later, I was lucky enough to talk to uh, Todd Farmer and Patrick Lussier about I Saw What You Did, which was due to be a Dark Castle movie that was gonna to return to the roots of that company and adapt a william castle movie like an old movie and that was going to be amazing unfortunately that fell through too so i really hope they come back roaring at some point i miss the days of 20 million dollar mid-range horror films that are just great popcorn flicks you know i
0: miss it <laughs> i just watched the original 13 ghosts for some reason not long ago um i don't know i'm bored i like i'm a kid you know i need i need my movies in
1: color sorry um <laughs> no i get i those movies do you know some of them can be a little patience trying at times i do adore castle's original house yes, on haunted hill yes, I and do, do. uh his original i saw what you did is y- you know it, it it might try your patience for a couple of minutes here and there but i gotta say it knows when to get in and get out mostly i think it's uh it's like maybe eight minutes Perfect. long it moves kind of like a bat out of hell and uh You know, there's just no fat on that man's movies. I would also recommend, if you get the chance, check out a movie that he did called Mr. Sardonicus. That, to me, was the movie that Dark Castle should have made in the early aughts. They should have gotten William Malone with his, you know, weird sort of crazy aesthetic, you know, uh, from House on Haunted Hill. Moreover, like his aesthetic from uh, his Tales from the Crypt episode, Only Skin Deep. If he'd applied that to a modern Sardonicus remake... I think it would have been an absolute classic, not merely something that we look back on fondly, you know, like a popcorn flick that we're all nostalgic about. I think that man could have made an absolute masterpiece, and it just kind of bumps me out that he hasn't yet.
0: I'm I'm so happy that you brought him up. He does not get talked about enough. The reason that I am so mm, in love with him is the Masters of Horror episode, The Fair-Haired Child. I cannot stop thinking about it. It's been 20 years. Am I cursed? I think I have. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a that's a man who you know I remember when uh, and admittedly I, I think the movie's a misfire but uh, the film that he did mm-hmm. fear.com uh-huh. I I remember yeah I know I, I'm with you I'm with you you know it's not it, it's a misfire but it's you know who I think nailed it Roger Ebert did a review of it and he gave the movie itself overall okay. two stars but for um for his direction, he gave it four stars and said that this is a guy, if paired with the right script, is going yeah. to make a masterpiece. And I agree with that because I think his visual style, like he's one of the best shooters yeah. in the genre, yeah. but he hasn't worked. He hasn't yeah. made anything in ages. And it's just, it's a it's a crime.
0: I, I, it's so funny. All my close friends are so bored of me talking about him. And I agree with you 100%. <laughs> that I feel like ugh, the easiest comparison I could ever make is that, he kind of has a bit of a auteur, Tim Burton, but actually horror energy that we really could have used because it's so creative and cerebral and one of a kind.
1: I agree. I agree. And, you know, if you look at his uh, Tales from the Crypt work... Especially, okay, I have seen these. To Can you give indeed. me the titles? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my good. Okay, so I can't remember the them. titles of the others, but they are all good. But his Tales from the Crypt work is amazing. But specifically, I believe... Oh, I want to believe it's season six, but there's an episode called uh, Only Skin Deep. And I might even be getting that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And it's about a guy having a pretty horrific one night stand. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> but he uh, so if you look at that and if you look at his work on House on the Haunted Hill, which, you know, on a script level is you know, a little, a little rote, it's a little routine, you know, especially fear.com, you know, was, they were kind of doing a ring riff and not anything terribly special with it again on a script level, but there's something about his direction. There's something about his visual style, his eye, like his pacing, his work feels dangerous. And I swear if he were paired with a script that took the same kinds of chances that he does as a director, if I think, he could find i think if he could find a script that matched his aesthetic he could make something truly special you have to special. break him out of jail you have to break him out of hollywood jail he, he when's the man getting never. parole and it's also it's too, too late
0: i feel like it's 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 too late i think no you don't no. think so no never never too late, for never some, too late.
1: For some, i think never I,
0: um, I don't know i'm a victoria amos fan but the later albums no good so yeah. i'm a, i'm very oh, yeah agious. true
1: well there's you know, I did listen to the recent episode of uh, Pure Cinema with Tarantino where they were talking about directors' last films. And, yeah, I mean, that is a thing, you know, where at a certain point, your faculties start going south a little bit, admittedly. Um, I mean, God, I love you, Dario Argento. I really do. But man, after the Stendhal syndrome.
0: Yeah. Tim Burton's another big one. Like, holy cow, stop in 2003, please. Uh,
1: it, but, but the thing about Burton is that really frustrates me is that I think the guy who gave us all those classics early on in his career, I don't think it's a matter of his direction, his style, his ability to direct a film. I don't think that's what's failing him. I think he's selling out and he's doing easy mm-hmm. work. I think I, I, I think he's a paycheck see, interesting because
0: I have um, big eyes on the phone and it wants to speak with you <laughs> and it has something to say to you I think personally so
1: fair. 100% fair you know he and that big eyes was sort of like that's the hint of the man that i wish that he had become in his later years but instead you know i'll i'll i'll, I'll give you right back i'll i'll give you the one-two punch of dark shadows and dumbo um yeah. Actually,
0: i haven't seen dumbo because i don't hate myself but um dark shadows was
1: i a tragedy I, I was there opening night oh i'm sorry to I was insult there- you no, no. It's, uh, I you know, I grew up with that cartoon. Oh, and okay. what's crazy is, is that you look at Dumbo's story and you imagine pairing Burton with it, you know, much like Dark Shadows. It's, if you yeah. just put that down on paper, Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, Dark Shadows. Genius. Like those three words on paper are one of the Ugh. best movies you watched this year. And yet... It was what it was. <laughs> and, and, and Michelle it, Pfeiffer it too. My God, everybody. It oh, had an amazing really. cast. It had a beautiful look. You had Danny Elfman killing it with that score my baby um and it just uh you know honestly i came into possession recently of a copy of john august's original screenplay for dark shadows which was described by somebody at one point as like the godfather with vampires It was deadly serious it 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 adapted the original tv show but took it seriously instead of you know, I guess at some point August had to, I'm writing an article about it. Uh, but August had to, I believe leave because of another contractual obligation. He wasn't going to be around to do rewrites. Yeah. And then Seth Graham Smith came in and instead of rewriting it, you know, he just started from scratch and it became what it became. And you have this movie that pokes fun at the original source material. And it's like, it's not half as clever as I think it thinks it is. And, uh,
0: I I love Dark Shadows so much, and not because I've seen a, f- a a frame of the original series because I have not, but but I did catch that 1991 like NBC primetime version that only lasted it's, for one season, and I'm re- that's the best telling of the story, really, because I'm obsessed yes. with it, and I did, and I only know it because of one friend, and no one else I've ever met has ever seen it, and so I'm just alone with this. But
1: hearing you say that is so comforting. You are, you are not alone. I will tell you. Um, I had the experience. I was, I think, nine or ten at the time when it came out, and it was such. I don't know if NBC thought it was, but just in my own family, because my my folks grew up, in, you know, knowing what it was in the '60s, and so they kind of grew up with it. But it felt like an event. Oh, yeah. this show, so I was there first night watching the pilot loving it i was there every week it, the damn thing kept getting preempted by uh, constant news updates the about the Iraq I war i know i've, I've i know it's terrible it, and it would happen in the middle of the show. So you could literally be halfway through and then, you know, uh, Barnabas yelling, Willie! You know, and I then, then uh, fuck. Cut, to, cut to Tom Brokaw or something talking about how we're fucking up in the Middle East. Um, <laughs> it does work you know. if you think about it really
0: hard, but, but not, not enough. Okay, I love but it's,
1: that. Uh, <sighs> yeah, the original show, I did wind up uh, – loving through watching the reruns that would play on sci-fi in the early 90s but i gotta tell you out of and i surely have not watched all 1100 episodes of the original show but Mm. i will say from what i've seen you know i've seen the the barnabas saga i've seen hours and hours and hours and hours of it i've watched the original movies from you know the 60s and 70s uh i've tried watching you know the bootleg of the old cw show that's got one you beat me to the
0: punch i was gonna bring that up and by the way wb pre-cw
1: yeah, W, you're right, you're right, you're right, <laughs> yeah. WB. Um, but yeah, I will say, out of all of the iterations of that show that I have seen, uh, and I'm including the Burton movie, of course, uh, the 1991 show with uh, Ben Cross and Joanna Going. Oh, she's so um, good. They, I, honestly, between Ben Cross and Joanna Going, that might be the best-looking, like, cast that any show has ever had. <laughs>
0: you know what, and, and you don't even need him for that, but she was, she... That role, like, listen, not the greatest role for women that was ever written, but there's something about it that I just can't stop thinking about or look away from. God, I could do a podcast on that 1991 series alone.
1: Let's do that. Let's do a podcast on Dark Shadows 91. It gets too little. I literally would. Um,
0: And also, I don't I don't know if you know, you probably don't know, but I am um, trying to become you. I am trying. I'm stalking you, by the way. And, I, and I'm <laughs> starting my own um, development hell column at Dread Central, and I'm going to have to take nice. you down and kill you, by the way. Um, oh, damn. Yeah. Well, so I had a good run. We're plotting, we're plotting against you. <laughs> uh, that said, I'm obsessed with your column. I read it. I, I check in every once in a while. Uh, the Tony Todd stuff is so cool. That man is just, you know, obviously an icon, not to be yeah, underestimated.
1: I kid you not that um, (laughs) – maybe I shouldn't reveal this but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I have a list that I made early on that I put together. Like I consulted uh, the old terror teletypes from Fangoria, uh, stuff that I had read about over the years that I was always curious about, like audio commentary, stray mentions, Wikipedia pages. I made a master list of all of though. the uh yeah <laughs> I, <need it. laughs> I made a list of like all of the different things that were never made that i wanted to tackle and candyman 4 was one that i didn't even have to look up it was on the list because oh, i'd yeah. remembered reading about it back in the day oh, on like same. the original fangoria.com yeah. and uh if you remember creature corner and I coming attraction don't remember creature and- corner Creature Corner became Dread Central uh, eventually. There was a... <laughs> the egg in my face. Oh my god. No, 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 it was no, it's it's fine that you don't know that because trust me that website has gone through many. I used to write for Dread Central back in the day and I think it's changed hands like 3 times in the last 10 years since that happened. But <laughs> if I recall correctly, there was Chud, which was cinematic happenings under development creature corner was kind of an offshoot of that that became its own thing then creature corner was i think i'm getting this right uh was bought by the horror channel okay uh to be its own thing and then they broke free of the horror channel and became dread central i want to say in 2007 seven. yeah i think yeah it is seven. and then it kind of went from there and steve barton uh, headed it up for years that's when i wrote there and I think he left around 15 or 16 and then since then it's been through a couple of different hands, but but yeah, no, I would, I would read about Candyman four all the time back in the day. So that was one that I was always kind of interested in and early last summer, you know, the thing that kicked phantom limbs off was, um, an article on Candyman two with Bernard Rose. And so I I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep the Candyman train rolling and I'm going to see if I can talk some Candyman four with Tony Todd reached out to his people and they were basically like, he's not doing any press. Until the new Candyman comes out, which has been pushed back to September because of COVID. And I was like, understood. And then obviously by the time September rolled around, it's like, well, it got pushed back again. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to speak to this man. And then out of the blue, a few, I want to say it's maybe a month ago or so ago, John Squires got in contact. Uh And he was like, hey, Tony Todd is on the, uh, you know, sort of doing a press tour for this movie Uh that he did called The Changed. And I was like, okay, I was like, I will do the interview for The Changed. I was like, we'll talk about his career. I was like, do you think there's any chance I can convince him to talk about Candyman 4? And he's like, well, you can give it a shot. And I was like, you're right, man. I can't, I can't give it a <laughs> shot. And I was able, you know, what surprised me the most? I always had it in my head that the screenplay of the thing existed in its entirety. No, there was a full yeah, script it written that it was ready to go. No, no, not at all, and he, all. you know, he basically provided, like, these these things that I had already heard, and then a handful of other things that hadn't been out there, but otherwise, you know, he was like, that's it, he's like, that's as far as we got, it was basically just a story, and I was like, no, Tony Todd, tell me more, I know. you know, it's, it, it just has, <laughs> I remember, like, in 2004, when I heard
0: about it, the logline, or just the premise, is everything that I've ever wanted, which is just snowy Candyman. also make it a private <laughs> school in New England, hopefully with a lot of girls like that's everything for me so it's too bad yeah. but at least we we are getting new Candyman, and it's soon
1: so, so i God. really hope that the new Candyman. that is you know we we just got the new trailer for halloween kills but i gotta say as as much as people are going crazy for that and i really want to see it too i'm not going crazy but either. my most anticipated movie this year is Candyman. Well, like the the five <laughs> marker fan in me Damn. it 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 has to be that, you know, hands down. And I will say, uh, as far as uh, I'm looking forward to uh, development hell on dread, I'm looking forward to your column because I am, (laughs) you know, I I have found that people and I'm not going to name names, but I have found that there is some caginess out there when it comes to like crossover interest like i Mm -hmm. i I, okay so well here's the thing like you know ever since i was a kid like you know reading in 95 again Terra teletype and stuff like that you know i read about i think you and i talked about this a little bit but uh you know like tarantino and scott spiegel talking about halloween six and just mentioning little bits and pieces about what it was, oh, but yeah. then essentially saying, well, that's never going to happen. And, you know, as a kid, I'm like, well, at least tell me what it was going to be yeah, if I'm not and- going to get it. Why you can't just tease me like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you would get documentaries, like, uh, was it was Steven Scarlatta's, uh, Dune. I was like an entire documentary based on one of these, like, that's amazing. Yeah. And then you got the guy who did, uh, Oh, was it the death and life of suit? No, that's not what it was called. I'm sorry. Um, superman lives um you know talking about the tim burton movie there was an entire documentary right about the nicholas cage 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 version right yes yeah yeah so you know between those and there's a great podcast called um i think the best movies never made um you know there have been books there there was a great halloween book that came out last year called taking shape Two that was just about unmade um Uh, I believe it's Joshua Hull just had a book came out that came out called uh, the 50 best movies never made. There's another book coming out later this year that is all about unmade horror films. And to me, like, and like, yeah, yeah. And like I said, like, no, 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 no. Here's why I, there was, and I'm not going to name names, but there was, so I did a couple of columns last year and there was crossover with some material that somebody else had covered elsewhere like and they got ever been me, written sorry to interrupt exactly and there, so there was kind of this feeling they were like hey you did a great job with that blah 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 nice. and i'm like oh well hey thank you very much i really appreciate it and they're like yeah you know but you know i we were kind of covering this first and it's like what i was like i i felt myself in a position i'm trying to it, totally and i was put in a position where i was kind of like, I." Have you ever had like those weirdly confrontational moments where everybody is still smiling and being polite? That's what it felt I like. I mean, I am Canadian, where... so yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I, I found myself in a weird position where I had to I – di- I didn't have to, certainly, but I was like, you know, I'm going to try and be the nice guy here and take the high road. I had to point out like, okay, so this column has actually been planned since this point, and all of my research was different, which you can probably tell because – You know, you you didn't cover some of it on your thing. You know, it was one of those things. And uh, I, I, you know, they never spoke to me again. But uh, to me, my feeling was like, the more the better. Like, I picked up the 50 best movies never made. Uh, I I listened to that podcast. I'm going to read your (laughs) column. I can't wait to pick up that horror book later. I can't get enough, you know, of the subject. So more, more, give me more. I
0: agree with you on a purely moral level. And we, when it comes to the column, I am the last person that's ever come up with a like unmade horror movie column, so I can't be mad. But when it comes to podcasts, I do have my, my ear to the ground about similar ones out there. Yeah. And I am keeping an eye on them. And I am jealous of them if they do better than me. So I can't lie to you and say otherwise. But um, <laughs> off the record is all that. On the record is I'm very supportive and gracious. <laughs> but I'm sorry you went through that. Um, I literally, I, first of all, I'm pretty sure I've covered post your articles. I'm pretty sure I've I've like covered many of the same topics,
1: and I celebrate that. <laughs> and no, I that's the thing is like I, that's kind of the feeling that I was getting from this other person was like, well, I already covered it, so you know, and then yeah, you covered it, so that's kind of weird that we both covered. It. I'm thinking like one number one, you don't own this, but number two, your article reveals things that mine didn't. And my article reveals things yours didn't. And so now fans get to discover both things, you know? So if you're going to do like a podcast, like I would invite you to please, like, and I'm not just talking about you, I'm talking about anybody out there. Like, please use those other titles because you're going to have an opinion, you're going to have a perspective, and you might be able to dig up info that I was never able to. And, you know, more to me is is only ever going to be better when it comes to
0: that. Yeah, especially in this in this community of horror. I think we've seen a lot this year about what happens when you try to gatekeep this community and how we are not, yeah. we're just not allowing it anymore. And I think it's beautiful, and I love to watch it all burn. So great, <laughs> I'm here for it. Although, yeah, if you want to start a development hell podcast, don't do it. I'll slide into your DMs <laughs> very rudely. <laughs> I'll tell you to
1: stop. It'll be like a uh, uh, um, production Hades, you know. I'll change it just a little bit. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Luckily, I feel like because it's specifically to horror, I feel like there's a lot of podcasts out there that are just development hell in general. Because let's face it. It's the most interesting topic there is. Like, what is more interesting, honestly, like, politics? No. No. A hundred percent not. Wow, I love that we're 25 minutes in. We have not even explained what the episode is. All of this is getting cut, but it was so fun to talk about.
1: <laughs> no, keep it all. This is all quality content.
0: Oh, absolutely. I knew it would be. Um, okay, everybody. So, as you know, by clicking this episode, we are going to be covering Zombieland, the series i don't know if you're familiar with zombie land the series but luckily we are uh i we have you had a chance to check out the pilot
1: jinx who me yeah. yes i've uh <laughs> okay, i watched it i re-watched it earlier today oh, and he watched
0: it so you've on- seen it
1: Oh, I did the full on, uh, for folks out there who don't know this, uh, and I'm sure you're going to dive into this, so I'm only going to touch on this for two seconds, but yeah, I watched it on Amazon, uh, I don't even know if it was called Amazon Prime back then, It's instant video, I think, yeah, and I, I was one of the voters, and uh, you know, so, yeah, spoiler alert, uh, I, I gave it the thumbs down, so that's on me, I guess, I did.
0: Wow, do you regret that decision? not remote no no (laughs) wow listen just because it's bad doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to exist that's how i feel about it um yeah why don't we give a little rundown about what that was in 2013 amazon uh was trying to get their foot in the door with original content so they produced 14 original pilots dumped them all on something called amazon instant video And gauged based on views and online responses and other stuff, I guess, uh, which ones they would produce to series and which ones would not. Um, Spoiler alert, this one did not get produced to series because Jason did not accept it, but other shows did. Like, um, oh gosh, Transparent, Bosch. I think I have a list here. uh, A bunch of junk did make it. Oh, Mozart in the Jungle, Betas, Alpha House. Tons of stuff came out of there. But not this.
1: This did not succeed. Yeah, I believe as one of the writers put it, um, (laughs) he said uh, fans effectively hated the series out of existence. Yeah, they truly did. Which is uh, dramatic, you know, but very dramatic.
0: Listen, he's he's an artist. He's in his feelings. This is what we want from him. I I actually had no Uh, idea... uh, his pedigree until today when i researched him and this is not nobody this is the team that brought us deadpool and deadpool 2 and lots of other weird stuff so it's not like this is their only project but it does seem like it's a passion project for them
1: yeah totally um you know it's it didn't exactly kick off their career, but I think it was probably their biggest success. Um, you know, looking at their filmography, I see that, you know, they wrote like Clifford's really big movie and Cruel Intentions 3, which I'm sure was straight to video. Mm-hmm. And then Zombieland out of nowhere in 2009. And then after that, they've done some pretty big things mm-hmm. since then. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I I will always adore Zombieland. And uh, I, I think it's just such a fun movie. And what's weird is, I was really excited for it to be a television mm-hmm. series. I thought the possibility of following a group of characters. There we go. Through that. World, yeah, we'll get into uh, that yeah. being the the much better idea, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, especially from that, here's the thing. When you look at the pedigree behind the, uh, the pilot for that TV show, you had the writers of the original movie writing the pilot. They would go on to do Deadpool, Deadpool 2, um cough zombie land double tap cough oh my god um, i just saw that today keep going it, <laughs> it was directed by eli craig who did uh tucker and dale versus evil you know who oh. was that is a great pairing of filmmaker to material very good um and i'm gonna go ahead and say something pretty controversial here so the actors themselves hear me out i don't think the cast itself is bad. I think all of the actors are probably pretty solid performers. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is is that the characters, even after one movie, had already become so iconic Very. that it's hard to imagine anybody else in those roles. Yeah. Especially when you have actors who are sort of obliged to try to mimic. The, I mean, the guy who does Tallahassee, God bless him. Like his, I looking at the, you know, I hated the pilot mm-hmm. when it came out in 2013. I really did. Watching it again, I realized that nobody is terrible in it. Even the guy who plays Tallahassee, and I, I did not look that. up his name, but... Um... His comedic timing is not bad, okay. but the problem is is that you see a guy not inhabiting a character and making it his own. You see a guy trying to do a riff on Woody Harrelson's character from the previous movie. You see a guy mm-hmm. trying to do Jesse Eisenberg. You I, see I think it's half you know, and it's almost worse. It's like
0: they're half yeah. in debt to these other actors, but they're also kind of <laughs> they're also kind of trying to make
1: it their own and it's it's a mess. Yep. And it doesn't but here's the thing, I think you could have called those characters anything else and just understand that they're riffs yeah. on the, the characters. Same archetype that love.
0: even, whatever. It, totally. That's what it felt totally. like, other and than the fact that they had the same names
1: that's it that's entirely it they were asking us to believe that this is an extension of the movie and the characters that we love whereas instead if they just said look it's called Zombieland. you know what you're in for here's a group of new characters and we're off i think the pilot if you left it exact and i'm not saying that the pilot doesn't have other major issues it surely does Grace. but if you had just done that i think that would make the pilot so much more watchable
0: yeah i didn't hate it even though it was terrible so like <laughs> my my like response to it is that the writing was really really bad, but sometimes very very good, and it's a shame that it couldn't come into its own because I feel like it really had a it had the potential to do that. Why is everyone's hair so clean in this franchise? Always,
1: <laughs> it drives me. Why does mental? Why does Tallahassee have hair? You know, mm-hmm. like it's uh... oh yeah, and plus. Truly. what's crazy is is that there are moments i swear i think the pilot was culled from ideas that they had from writing a sequel script that wasn't made initially because you have that opening scene where which is wonderfully staged with the two office workers and you have all the zombie mayhem and going really good on cameo actors in the background. too um can you yeah, tell us who we'll they are because i could not but i can tell you what they're in <laughs> No, I can't. I, uh, no, no, no.
0: I, and I've seen it twice now. I should have noticed that, uh, yeah. So, the, 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 okay. So, at the beginning, we have two, um, like office workers. We have like a middle aged gay man and like a middle aged, uh, white woman. And they're just having like a really casual, funny conversation. And of course, it's interrupted by zombies. But she is the lead from, I'm I'm pretty sure 90210, the original. I think that's Kelly or something like that.
1: Really? I I had
0: no idea. Definitely, I'm almost sort of sure. And the other guy is famous. He was on friends and he is now like a lead gay character on grace and Frankie. So he's like a Hollywood. I
1: had no idea. I recognized him vaguely. I had no idea that was Kelly. That's amazing to me. Um, But yeah, you know, when, so that scene is very well staged. It's funny watching them carry out this banal conversation about how the guy's lactose intolerant in the (laughs) background. You have a guy chainsawing zombies to death. You have people on fire running around, all sorts of mayhem. And then you have, you know, a guy who's taken their lunch order, wheel the cart in, and and you can tell Oh my God, sorry, that's my puppy. (laughs) Oh no, you're good. (laughs) Hello, puppy. Uh, But you can tell in that moment that... uh, This is supposed to be the big reveal for Tallahassee, but it only works as a big reveal if it had been Woody Harrelson. As it is, it's just some random dude. You know, we have no idea who it is.
0: We're kind of supposed to know who it is, but we're not. Okay, spoiler alert. Don't know why I'm still saying that. It's 2021. I I had seen Zombieland, I think, in like 2009. And I hadn't seen it again until today. And I... So... I kind of was completely going in blind with all of the stuff. And I started with the pilot. So it's almost like I'd never seen Zombieland before. And I started with watching (laughs) the pilot, which honestly is probably the best bet if you want to enjoy this pilot, because you, you do lose all of that confusing baggage that you're, I think addressing, especially with that weird opening scene.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, that would probably be best because, you know, watching <laughs> yeah. that original movie and then having because you know, for any number of reasons, definitely because the cast is not quite there as far as being able to fully inhabit those characters and make us forget about the other actors that we love. The budget isn't quite there to realize the world. And, uh, you know, I just maybe part of it is just my own nostalgia for it is why I dislike the pilot so much initially, because I I adore that first movie. I, I remember great. opening night at my movie theater uh, when, when that movie came out, I think there was like a seven or eight o'clock premiere. I organized a zombie walk from the local mall. Everyone, I think we wound up, I mean, and keep in mind, this is a relatively small town in Eastern Kentucky. And there were like 65 people who showed up in makeup and I led them through the mall concourse with a bullhorn leading them on as they're shambling and growling and doing their best. Shaun of the dead, you know, (laughs) led them out of the mall, you know, across the parking lot under this uh, sort of overpass and to the movie theater into the lobby, scaring the living hell out of uh, all the patrons who were there to see other movies. (laughs) And everybody participated, got like, I want to say like a junior popcorn and a pass to see the movie for free. And it was uh It's easily one of the coolest things that I ever did. So Zombieland has this weird sort of... uh, I have a weird love for it beyond how good the movie itself is. And, you know, so I think I took a lot of that and it became a prejudice toward that pilot. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Like, uh, you know, watching it again today with that distance and kind of my expectations in check, it's not terrible. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It is, uh, but it's also... (laughs)
0: <laughs> it is the worst thing I've ever seen, but it's also kind of good, you know? That's fair. It's that's fair. It, it exists in a weird spot. It, it, it truly does, which is called 2013. What a weird time.
1: Yeah, especially for... You know, I felt like this approach to, uh, you know, horror TV adaptations was a little outdated. It felt a little 80s and 90s oh, to me. Oh, I love where, that you're transitioning
0: you know, us so seamlessly. Yeah, well...
1: Uh, Yes.
0: I want to talk to you. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rudely interrupt and I uh, the one of the reasons I'm excited about this episode is so that we can have a quick kiki about other horror tv adaptations throughout the years because there's so many strange ones some of which I didn't even realize exist. Hello Poltergeist the Legacy. Can't wait to talk about that. Uh, um, And so can we talk about some of our favorite or strangest horror tv adaptations. So these are television shows based on horror
1: movies. And I feel like it's usually the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. I um yeah, it is where you know with the the 90s shows and that earlier approach it seemed like well let's do the movie but just on television and so let's keep all the characters but recast and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And now it seems like what people do, you know, it's more like well, it can be an extension. We can do a shared universe. It can exist within the world of the movies, but be its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like with 2013, you know, it feels like Zombieland should have been leaning toward that. But uh-huh. you're right. You know, it, instead, it does kind of the older style thing. And I think that's part of the reason it kind of failed. But looking back at, you know, I, I, there are still TV shows from back in the 80s and 90s that didn't quite do that and tried to do their own thing. Like, uh you know, I'm looking at your list here. Freddy's Nightmares yeah. was definitely meant to be in the world of the films, I guess, if only by virtue of the fact that Robert Englund was playing Freddy Krueger again. But otherwise, it's kind of an anthology show. Same thing with Friday the 13th, you know, also kind of an anthology. Can I just tell you what my impression
0: and you can tell me how much I have right? Please. please. Okay. My impression of Friday the 13th, the series, is that, uh, so yeah, it is within the franchise for some reason, they decided to go sans Jason, which is always a brilliant idea. And it takes place in an antique store, and each item has its own
1: episode story. Yes. Yeah. So the basic setup is that There's a guy who ran uh, kind of like this uh, curious goods store, as it were, like an antique store. uh, Totally (laughs) that, totally that. And he makes a deal with the devil, and ultimately all of these objects are cursed, and they go out into the world, and then they basically give their owners these odd powers, but it's very monkey's paw. You know, things always go quite terrible for them, and so he dies. And then his, oh, I remember the character's name. I don't remember his relationship to him. Maybe he was a friend, maybe he was a relation, but his name was Jack Marshak. And he basically took it upon himself to track down all these items and reclaim them and bring them back to the shop so that they're not out there in the world hurting people. And there are a couple of good young looking looking uh, you know, youngsters who work for him, you know, who are obviously the show sex appeal. And uh, that was that was the show. And as I understand it, you know, it was from the same producers who did the Friday the Thirteenth uh, film series. Uh, you know, the the composer for the show, Harry Manfredini, you know, did the movies. So there was that weird sort of DNA sharing there. But as I understand it, before the show was unceremoniously cancelled and not given a definitive ending, the idea was that the final episode, the big finale, was going to have all the characters reclaiming the final item only to find out after that show is done, okay, they have one more item left. It's a cursed hockey mask, <laughs> last seen in New Jersey. Let's let's pack our bags and let's go get this no. last item, and then that's it. And we never got to see
0: that. Oh, see, that's an episode waiting. That's an episode of Development Home waiting to happen right there. I'm obsessed with that. Incredible. I remember seeing it, like the official DVD release on, on sale somewhere, like in Toronto. I'm sure it was like 100 bucks in 2009. I didn't. Oh, wow. I didn't make that purchase, but I kind of wish I had. Also, where is the Friday's Nightmare DVD release?
1: I want to know. It's ridiculous it's, at this it's point. It's
0: rude, I... actually. <laughs> it, it, it damn mm-hmm. well is. New mm-hmm. Line,
1: you know we want it now. Give it. Yeah, how hard could it that
0: be? And also, where's the Friday cartoon, like Beetlejuice style?
1: They have them. They have the masters. They have. You are know, we, uh, sure? Robert Rodriguez. Are we positive? Yeah. No, I feel like these buildings are Robert, burning down, and <laughs> well, maybe not now. <laughs> okay. Um, Robert Rodriguez, what was it, maybe four or five years ago on his uh, television network, El Rey? Mm-hmm. They ran Freddy's Nightmares a couple of I episodes know. a day and they looked beautiful. No, really? What a hero. Yeah.
0: What, that's awesome. <laughs> and I also never, something we didn't add to the list or maybe you did from Dust
1: Till Dawn. Totally from Dust Till Dawn. That's a, uh, you know, that's such a weird one. It kind of had the uh, Zombieland thing happening um. where it recast all of the characters. And so we're asked to kind of, fall in love with these people all over again with different actors playing them but i will say once you get beyond the first season which was kind of like this extended remake of the first movie and admittedly as a result i as much as i love the original movie and the original movie is one of my favorite films ever it was it was so tough to get into the first season because it was a different approach to it but once it was free of remaking the first movie and it went off to do its own thing it's fantastic such a great show can
0: i tell you a secret
1: Hit me. I kind of liked The Purge, at least season one. I have not seen it yet. I like that film series, but I am uh, I am letting my Purge fandom down wow. a little bit. I watched the first three movies, like them quite a bit. I have not seen the first Purge, and I've not seen the TV show yet. But I am hoping to knock all of that again right before the next movie. Oh my comes god, Purge
0: cast, get ready, it's coming. <laughs> I have only seen the first two Purges, and and for some reason the series. So I I am like halfway there with it. I. I appreciate it. I celebrate actually the purge, but I, I need to actually, you know, invest a
1: little bit more time, give it a little bit more. Definitely, uh, definitely check out the third movie because it has uh, Frank Grillo's character from the second film coming back in it. There's that little connection between the movies, and he is uh, fantastic as always. The man should have been cast as the Punisher, like because that's essentially who he was.
0: All I know is that the second one is clearly the front runner. This is my my question yeah. mark opinion.
1: No, no, I agree. Out of the ones I've seen, anyway.
0: Um, okay, so as a rundown for the rest of this episode, we're gonna talk a little bit about Zombieland, we're gonna complain a little bit about Zombieland double tap, and then we're gonna get into yeah. the nitty-gritty details behind Zombieland the series before finally concluding with our own opinions about the future of the franchise. So why don't we jump ahead into talking about our relationship with zombie? You were saying that this is a big one for you, at least the first film.
1: Yeah, no, it really is. I I, I love the movie. I watched it countless times in the theater. Uh, I've seen it, you know, that it's kind of like, um, it's comfort cinema to me. You know, I can throw it on it. Yeah, I can throw it on at any point. And it just makes me smile, you know? And uh, a, yeah, yeah, it, it, it does everything in kind of like this it somehow rides that very thin line between being able to be tongue-in-cheek about the genre that they're in while not poking fun at themselves or undercutting the the sort of, you know, the gravity of the situation in a way. It's, it's you know, it's something that Shaun of the Dead does incredibly well too. And, uh, you know, I just, I adore both of those movies for that. And it's funny that Zombieland sort of came out right, it, it, it came out at the tail end of the sort of zombie boom that happened after uh 28 days later rising and the walking dead comic book so on the one hand it felt like it was sort of commenting on what had come before it and yet at the same time it was also pressing in a way because it came just before the next zombie which was kicked off by the walking dead television series so it's 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 nestled in that weird little spot and it feels like you know yeah, if it had if it had come out maybe a year or two before or a year or two after, I feel like it would have been, you know, pretty rude in a health series where we would be getting sequels every three years. As it is, it just kind of stood for the longest time as this lone gem. And I gotta say, you know, I'm one of the guys who wanted to see what a TV show would look like. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm partially to blame. I'm the guy who wanted to see a sequel for the longest oh, it was time. Guys, you? Hey God. Wi- yeah, sorry. I was the, I was the guy. I, give me more. Give leave. me more. Give me more. And then they gave me they gave me more they and I was like, that. whoops. They really did their Not best. Bad. And I think
0: maybe the first film is just sort of lightning in a bottle. It just yeah. it had the right people at the right time with this really good mixture of, of horror and humor. I'm uh Producers tell me, like, do not touch horror comedy. We cannot sell that. And then I see so many successful ones that are so good. And I think, why are you so afraid? Why are we so scared of this? There must be a good reason, but it is a tricky genre to
1: tackle. Well, I think you said it, you know, I mean, I think the perfect uh, sort of example is Zombieland and Zombieland Double Tap, which I do want to point out, and I know we're going to get into it, but I don't hate that movie. But when you look at the two, both have healthy budgets, both have the exact same cast, both have the same writers and directors, mm-hmm. and yet one works marvelously, lightning in a bottle, and doesn't. And, you know, that to me tells me that horror comedy, you know, mixing those two, it's... Uh, it's gotta be tough to pull off, but at the same time, you know, if you have people telling you that you shouldn't be doing that, then that to me tells you that, you know, that's probably what everybody's thinking. In which case, look, you, uh, you, you, the field is cleared for you, mm-hmm. you know, to take a run. So,
0: yeah, it's also too, listen, comedy's hard, very difficult to, to get done well. And I think so is good horror. So maybe it's just, you know, it's just a challenging subgenre. That not anyone can just do. Another subgenre that I'm obsessed with is (laughs) the amusement park setting subgenre. There are so many good horror movies or even not horror movies that take place in amusement parks. And I kind of want to just like run... I I actually cut this off of the outline. So you're in the dark right now. But some of my favorites include um, The Way Way Back from a few years back with the the Waterslide film. Love it. Um, And... Obviously, the fun house was a good time. The Toby Hooper m- moment. Is there anything that you can think of? Is there any like amusement park movies subgenre that
1: like come to mind? You know what's funny is that before Zombieland came out. I was wondering if it was some sort of weird companion movie or sequel to Adventureland. Okay. Wow. By virtue of Jesse Eisenberg being in it, you know, why yes, like, it feels it,
0: maybe so funny. And and I've seen both in <laughs> the same era, same everything. I, I feel like
1: Same era, same leads, the titles are wait, wait, similar. Was Emma Stone in that too? Uh, I, I mean, think she, she was. Might right. as it was, well have uh, been, right? Like, it might, like Kristen Stewart. Might, oh, Kristen but... Stewart.
0: Same thing. No offense. Two thousand nine, they were interchangeable. They were, and listen, wow, they both really pulled through. Same with this entire cast of Zombieland. Like these are now prestige, like Hollywood staples. And I'm talking about Amber Heard. Ah, uh, yes. Who who has a a brief but memorable appearance <clears throat> in this yeah, movie?
1: She's, um... I am much like everybody when a woman makes an accusation like this, you take it very seriously. and so she you know when when she you know made the claims against Depp, it's like, oh my God, he's a comparable, that poor woman. And then those audio tapes were released and then those pix- pictures were released and you know she had played victim up until that point, kind of left all of the other stuff out while playing victim. and then, uh, you know so I had some weird flashbacks. <laughs> so when uh when when all of that came out like the audio tapes and stuff i i turned pretty quickly yeah i mean it's it's messy uh, messy messy i honestly i think the truth is somewhere in between i think they were both probably just terrible for me.
0: oh and, I, and or perfect because they do both seem truly chaotic two Unhinged. chaotic evils <laughs> yeah. are not good in the same room
1: so just you know damn it johnny depp get back with winona Ryder, get sane again amber Is do thing wherever. happens because
0: i don't uh, think that's that would help
1: <laughs> I, don't I don't know i worse. don't know they seemed happier back then they I did don't know. i
0: love i love her still but i don't know if she's like my pinnacle for stability <laughs>
1: well Big again that's uh you know that's uh that, maybe they can make it work together maybe you they know.
0: will they'll, they'll they'll casually give each other tattoos in hotel room yeah exactly <laughs> i feel like that's what he likes doing um he, the forever, my favorite movie of all time though and i'm not gonna make you guess
1: it's sleepy hollow sleepy hollow is one of the greatest
0: thank made. you i sometimes i get really nervous saying it because it feels embarrassing but and and maybe like childhood nostalgia stunted moment but it's the truth for me i have to
1: no movie is brilliant i you get no argument from me i think it's uh it's arguably, you know, I can't say that it's Burton's best, but it's it's top three. Oh yeah, best.
0: it's not his best, but it's m- my favorite. Can we do top three Burton? Top th- Burton, oh, I mean, I uh, go. Wrong. Oh, are you making me go first? Did you say go? I, I can go. first. Oh yeah, yeah. Please do.
1: Okay, uh, but these are going to be unranked. They all. Okay. Sort of, and don't collectively say Ed Wood if you say Ed Wood, again.
0: I'm gonna be so suspicious. You're gonna say Ed Wood, I feel it already. Okay, you know what? So, I'm, I'm backing off, I'm backing off.
1: I'm so Ed Wood is I knew it marvelous, but it's not in my top oh, I three I got some... <laughs> for me. Uh, top three Burton, and keep in mind, I love so much of his stuff, including Ed, yes. Yeah, uh, but my top three would be Edward Scissorhands, Batman Runs, and Sleepy Hollow. These are just like. Unmovable moments from
0: pop culture that I'm obsessed with. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Edward Scissorhands, uh, Batman Returns, and Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I don't think these are would be on everybody's list. I think Edward Scissorhands would be, but the other two I think sometimes go under the radar. Although Batman Returns is just how can you not be talking about it's
1: it's perfection. You know, oh, it's, it's, it's so
0: good. And Danny DeVito, and Michelle Pfeiffer, like those are my two favorite performances of all time. I feel like. Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie and Danny DeVito in that movie are the two sides to my personality. Like, th- that's who I am. <laughs> that's my Crazy. true self. I,
1: I am still, um, what is it, nearly 30 years later, 29 years later, I'm still in love with Michelle uh, Pfeiffer how Scott. Could you... First of all, the woman is
0: still a statuesque, gorgeous, like could not be more beautiful if it was possible. But yeah, holy cow. In that movie, the magnetism is just
1: unheard of yeah oh total. you go back to his original movie with uh you know burton's first movie that is with uh kim, uh, kim basinger and it's like there is no what's all right i mean leave it as a viewer. yeah but there is none where Basinger had chemistry with anyone ever uh mickey Rourke in nine and a half weeks i would say. um oh oh and um you know even though the story isn't meant to go this route i would say that she has way more chemistry with um uh Neesley. um why can i not remember his name i love the actor uh guy pierce she has way more chemistry with guy pierce in la Confidential than she does with russell crowe who's her guy oh i think she
0: yeah i think she had pretty good chemistry with her cell phone in phone booth <laughs> that's the only other right, movie that's coming to mind if i'm gonna be honest with you i am a millennial Mid-range. Fair, fair, fair. Are fair, you, you, you end line millennial? Me, I'm an
1: 81, and I've read oh, you're on the cops. two different things. Well, yeah, so there is one study oh, that said that Gen X ends at like, I want to say 80? well into 81, oh. and I was born in April of 81, so I literally made Gen X by just two months, but then there is another thing that said that basically, so I don't know. Yeah, no. So yeah, with *Zombieland* double tap to me, it just seemed like you know, even though they had the same director, they had the same cast, they had the same writers. Obviously, they had a healthy budget. All of the ingredients were there to make it, right? And yet, for whatever reason, it just it didn't have the same magic. You know, I was using the uh, <laughs> sort of example that you know, with the first movie, it had that spark, it had that magic, it had um, you know, the magician pulled the rabbit out of the hat, and we all stared in wonder, right? But you get to uh, *Zombieland* double tap, and um, you know the 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 magician is there the hat is uh, maybe a little bigger a little shinier he reaches in he pulls out the rabbit and uh well amber hurt <laughs> <I'm scared. laughs> no. no no we get another rabbit and the rabbit okay, is the, okay 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 you know, maybe the rabbit is uh god it would be scary if it we're amber um Mm-hmm. Why are you Just
0: because, like, why are you in there? Like, are you okay? Was this Johnny Depp? Okay, I have to cut everything again. I'm...
1: No, you're fine. She uh, she wanted to know why she wasn't in the sequel. She was ready to uh, throw some cell phones. Maybe chop the fan <laughs> Yeah,
0: I <don't> know. let's <laughs> keep talking. Yeah. You, I, yeah, you're right. I, I think they, they probably did everything they could, and lightning in a bottle didn't happen for them again. I, even though they did seem to be able to pull it off twice with Deadpool, although I'm not a superhero guy, so don't take my opinion seriously.
1: I love both of those movies, and arguably yeah, they've do done too. it... They've done it 3 times. They did another cut of Deadpool for uh, the holidays with uh Fred Savage, you know, being kidnapped God. by Deadpool and, you know, being read the uh, you know, much like uh The Princess Bride. You know, did you see that version of Deadpool too? No, I didn't know this existed. I'm interested. Okay, so this is the craziest thing. When Deadpool came out, it was obviously hard R, but it was an X-Men superhero movie, right? So, you had all of these kids wanting to go watch the movie and they couldn't or rather they shouldn't and parents took them anyway, but uh Um, when the second movie came out it was much the same thing obviously hard r but 20th century fox did something very interesting they uh for two weeks during the holiday season they cut Deadpool down to and they all of the language and whatnot they cut out all of the heavy and then they bookended the along and they sort of interspersed these scenes throughout where Deadpool because it's the holidays he wants to basically a fairy tale (laughs) version of deadpool 2 Censored for children, and to do that, in order to do that, he needs to do it like Peter Falk did in The Princess Bride. So he kidnaps. I love it. He he kidnaps Fred Savage. He duct tapes him down to a bed, much like his childhood bedroom from uh, The Princess Bride, and then he reads him the story of Deadpool Two, much as Peter Falk did in Princess Bride. And it's (laughs) honestly, I felt like my mind was. I felt like I was high, and I wasn't while watching this movie. But it's
0: genius. I think that could have been the main release.
1: <laughs> should have been. I'm Damn okay. it, it should have been.
0: I've heard them say, I think it was the director that was like, this doesn't really need to be an R franchise. It would succeed at PG-13. Maybe
1: even PG. It, but what do I It. You know, it's so weird. So many people uh, pushed this time for the R-rated. Role. I remember that was a big thing in fandom. You know, because Reynolds wanted to make the movie. The filmmaker, I think I believe it was Tim Miller, he wanted to direct it. And they were pushed hard for an art film. And I remember going to a comic and the writer comic who had seen footage. This was before the footage was quote unquote leaked by who knows, uh, Ryan Rudolph cough. And, um, you know, he said, look, I've seen the footage. It's absolutely amazing. They, the character and he was like, but they just went up and he was like, and it's funny as hell. And he was like, but they're so hardcore about it being. And he was like, me, I'm over here like the guy who wrote the comic for so many years being like, you guys, you know what, you guys do
0: It's funny because we're always, I feel like that's, you're right. This is always the thing that we're pushing for as fans is like, get something de Hollywoodified and R-rate it. But it doesn't have to happen. And I feel like this is the prime example. Because what is this movie writing on other than the charisma of the lead character and really good writing? Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That was really hard for me because I do not do superhero movie because I'm, you know, gay. So I think everyone needs to applaud me for really doing my best.
1: <laughs> I, I this really is, did. This is best. another conversation that I want to have. It's probably not appropriate for Zombieland, but one day, someday we need to talk about Fair enough.
0: I, I mean, yeah, I like it. Speaking of being gay, um, my, f- I think the best part about Zombieland double tap has to be Zoe Deutsch. Wait, Dutch, Deutsch, dude, uh, Deutsch, Deutsch. Zoe Deutsch saves this movie, in my humble gay opinion. Uh, Maybe too good for the writing that she's given, because the character is very two-dimensional sort of mall girl energy, but the nuances that this girl gives the performance are crazy and so specific and really sort of subverts the archetype in a way that I'm sure the writers are helping out with, and I love it, and I have heard that the director of this movie while maybe not super interested in doing a third Zombieland, has expressed interest in making a standalone Madison movie, and I would love that.
1: He, that would that would be something. Oh. She is she's amazing. So uh, good. She really is, and she you know, Esicton. E- e- so uh, yes. e- to see her daughter like sort Excuse of wield me. the same chops like yeah, his mom did back yeah. is awesome. Uh, I wild. think she's great in it. I think you're right. I think she took you know you in a trope as. You know, not just well worn. I mean it's 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 a dead dandelion. You blow on it, it's it's yes. just gonna yes. disappear, right? Yes. But as a as a trope so well worn at- quote unquote dumb blonde. Like Mm. you would expect a franchise like zombie, like turn that idea its head and subvert a little bit. And I feel like the movie tries to at times, but I also feel like it wallows. Yes. Sort of just, you know, base humor when it comes to that. And God bless her. It feels really elevates that character and gives her another dimension that really wasn't the writing. You're absolutely right. So I agree. Thank God. At the same time, I don't know that I could see her leading. You don't love
0: it. You're not obsessed.
1: No, I, I just don't know that I could see her leading her own guys or her own film. Mm, so you hate
0: women. That's fine. I get it. That's
1: fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine.
0: Uh, no, I, I, listen, the character is not, there's not, a, there's just not enough on paper yet. So I agree with you. She was just giving it her all and God, I love her
1: for it. Now I do want to clarify. I am all about Zoe Deutsch getting her own franchise. I just yeah. don't know that I want it to be Madison, you know? Like, No,
0: I I, yeah, I agree. Although I love the jokes about her living in the pink berry fridge in the mall. Yeah, exactly. That's probably the funniest part of the, the movie. That
1: is her one. Uh, that's her one rule, right? Like Columbus. Yeah. Has all yeah. yeah. Rules I together, both people.
0: do. They live in the fridge. <laughs> I loved her. I loved, and I loved. How she, yes. The, yeah. The movie itself was not subverting her well enough. She was smart or she should have been quite smart. And we saw glimpses of this. But, at the uh, yeah, the movie did not respect her enough to actually go deep enough into her character for us to, to know what was up. I agree.
1: Yeah. And which is a shame because, again, she winds up being the breakout.
0: Oh, Easy. Did you watch The Politician? I feel like straight people didn't, so don't be sad if you didn't.
1: No, I didn't. I haven't even Oh, it's
0: I think the first Ryan Murphy Netflix original series. Ooh. Um there's two seasons of it and she's in it and she's really spectacular. She plays the granddaughter of Jessica Lang, and they sort of play what well, you know that that true crime story about the mom that kept her daughter sick on purpose so they could scam oh, and get money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, so that was the gist of her character, and it was pretty good. She's quite the performer. Well, so yeah, I want to see more for her too. Ryan Murphy and Jessica Lang, that is, that is, uh, that's it, right?
1: I mean, come on, you know, that's uh, I know. No.
0: yeah. I mean, that. Speaking of gay, like that's that's it. That's the culture right there.
1: Um, do we have
0: anything else to say about Zombie and Double Tap? Do we want? is there anything we need to to get off of our chest at the moment in
1: time? I don't know that there's anything else to say about it, except, you know, given that we're talking about the Zombie TV series, I'm just wondering, could you see, um because I it's been a while since I've seen Double Tap. I obviously just re-watched uh, you know, the TV pilot, but I'm wondering, do you think there are any elements that were sort of uh played with in the show that wound up recycled oh. in Double Tap? Did you see any sort of I wasn't, I should have been thinking about it harder.
0: And the only reason I have an answer for this is I read some kind of interview with the writers who said that yes, there were some ideas or some traces of concepts crossed over, but I think in his words, was that it was sort of less than you would imagine so I'm not sure I kind of feel like kind of is my answer what do you
1: think I you know the idea of uh, you know their eye in the sky the on- I love that I mm-hmm. when they announced the movie I kind of half a Rosario Dawson to sort of take up that role and then you watch the movie play out and it's like oh, okay it's not you know so I was expecting mm-hmm. that to at least be the one element and really yeah. sort of you know um, sort of re-engineered that sequel in it just-
0: they didn't do and it was, what, a, what a waste of Rosario
1: Dawson it's
0: it it's crazy but and this franchise has a problem with diverse we'll touch a little bit more on that with series but um it felt to me that there was a note in the room about diversity in the series and what did they do they like give five seconds of screen time to rosario dawson and call it a day (laughs) so i don't think for 2019 that was quite good enough but um, yeah. a lot changed overnight in 2020, and you would never see something like this happen again. Like this movie would not have been made so white a year later. So at least that's the world that we're in now.
1: You know, it'll be curious to see for any number of what approaches are taken all across the with a given the reception of the second. going to see it.
0: No, no. I think we're lucky that we got a second. One. Um. Yeah, I also want to say there. <laughs> Listen, I love that first movie, and we're talking about race a little bit. It was a little uncomfortable. The scene where they're in the gift shop and they're just uh, destroying indigenous gifts for a, like an entire montage. Did that click with you on this rewatch? Did that? Did that? Did that? Like,
1: yeah, Did you clock that? It's a little weird, but at the same time, I wonder if there is a, a level of satire there. Like watching, oh, you know, this uh, obviously that. redneck guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. without. In a world without you know, watching, and the fact that that is there, I mean, rather than preserve what is there for history, like they just stomp, you it's know, the white—it's the white move. It's yeah, what we want to do. I mean, it's you know. So I, I wonder if. And that may not be the case at all, but it felt... I hope the writers were clever with that sequence, more just, hey, why don't we just have a fun sequence? Like, this is our version of the mall scene, you know, but this is what (laughs) these guys do. I hope it's more than...
0: In my mind, there were, like, punching holes, dream catchers and stuff like that. Like, it was was wild. I don't think it was on purpose. I think it was, like, a a sad accident, but it was, like... And we're going to move on into Zombieland, the series, where we've been working towards this entire time so first announced in October of 2011 for CBS Zombie Land: the series was spearheaded by writers of the original film Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese am I saying these right do you yeah I think so amazing but it actually sat dormant for two years until as we talked about Amazon Studios came around and developed the pilot In 2013 for its series of pilot pushes that they were putting on the internet. We talked about how they were using the same characters, but different actors. Something I want to talk about now is, yeah, so the new character that they sort of added in was the voice of the OnStar operator, who, like, I don't know how you felt about it, but I like, like, in in theory, like, it's a really smart and cute and outside-of-the-box idea i really liked it although it just um, it stands out as a bit of a sore thumb because it's the only like the only black voice or character we have in this entire show is a disembodied voice and like i don't know it's kind of hard not to zone in on that in watching it in 2021 yeah
1: you know i feel like almost in that room the series was kind of painted by then presumed cast and so that already and that's i think gotten a lord adventurous, and new characters do that far more together but instead Mm -hmm. you know they put themselves in a position where okay so we're already married to so i feel like with troy you know maybe there was the hope you know was the character only ever met a voice on the or the on star rather i don't know um yeah they do
0: maybe they're gonna Go visit her, or did I make that up?
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that was the idea. They were eventually, she was going to help lead them to uh, right. the East Coast. And I can't imagine, especially with uh, Tallahassee admittedly being somewhat in love with her, that he wouldn't have wanted to swing by Michigan to pick her up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I don't know. Uh, but you're right when the only other, uh, you know, bit of representative the show is, uh, you know, she's immediately dispatched. It's a little... Um, oh, right. You just I, cringe a little. Yeah. It's it's a little cringy. It
0: it kind of reminds me of how they used um, Lupita in the Star Wars film. Yeah. Great, we're putting some some interesting voices in, but like they don't actually get to be on the screen. It's a little bit insulting.
1: Yeah, although I I you're I agree with you one hundred percent. I do love the best things. Her performance is one of the best things. Oh, okay. The, I believe you. I, for the five minutes that she's in it.
0: Uh, I, I was going to say, I don't remember much of it. but <laughs> I, 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 I didn't, also didn't see the third one,
1: so I can't speak to that. Oh, one. good. Just, you know what? Make up your own ending. It's fine. Um, really? Oh. I kind of just thought
0: the nerds were, were being nerds. or Because everyone hated the second one, and then five years later, we're all like, actually, we liked it. So I was expecting that to happen with the third.
1: I'm the weird fan who thought that The Last Jedi was just fine love it and hate it i thought it was i thought it was it was perfectly fine i Russia loved... didn't
0: influence your opinion on it
1: no not at all and i i <laughs> i love ryan johnson
0: i thought oh i mean me too did you hear about the russian conspiracy about that film no, no, no. Oh, there is a conspiracy, I believe, I, this may be true, that for some reason or, or another, there was like a fake news campaign against it to make people, to make it seem like it wasn't a success. Oh, no. I can't, you know what, I don't have anything to back this up, but it was felt very Russia 2016 election energy. That's so strange. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's fine, but I will say like, I, you know, Force Awakens, thought it was a blast. Last Jedi. Oh, so good. Last Jedi, good. Solo. Surprisingly great, Rogue One. Not that great. Um, but yeah, you get to film. Uh, the the movie that not only this new trilogy uh, was building towards, but its culmination of a nine film story three trilogies all building to this one film that's a lot of weight for it to carry kind of unfair that it needs to carry all of that on its shoulders but it's just terrible <laughs> it is <laughs> no, uh oh not terrible it is it is astonishingly poorly written <laughs> how it how is gosh. directed lazily like you can tell there's no heart in it like you it, it just it blew me away how it's too bad it's too bad for such a cultural important franchise do you
0: think they'd put a little more i don't know what's behind it i do think jj abrams needs to start thinking ahead a little bit more we saw it on loss we're seeing it now like let's think five years in the future we'll give him we'll get the guy uh a, a whiteboard yeah it's so like... he can start planning out the next five years
1: hey jj jj do you want to i don't know. he's right
0: here he's he's listening he's jj
1: here. hey yeah uh, he's here. We, he's here. we share initials pal let's uh Let's put our heads yeah. together and figure out how to write a middle and an end at the same time with the beginning. Oh,
0: sorry. No, he says he's really busy ruining Stephen King properties. He's bu- he's busy. Oh, okay, now right, I sorry,
1: will sorry. say I do <laughs> like Castle Rock. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, you know what? I I, I can't speak poorly about Castle Rock. I <laughs> Surprisingly good. But you know what? He he also had good writing. There's that. He couldn't pull any of that uh mystery box bullshit with pre-existing King <laughs> characters. You know,
0: it is b- such bullshit. Have you seen Leesy's story yet?
1: No, but I want Lisey's to.
0: Story yeah, uh, I just saw the first episode. I am intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Of course, it is written by King himself. Like the, the, the teleplays by King and not JJ, so Ooh. that's good. Yes, right. So overall thoughts about Zombieland this is I've said it a few times. I'm gonna say it again. It's really bad, but I also kind of liked it. And I think there's there's glimpses of mm, you know a brighter tomorrow. There's glimpses of like wow, maybe a season two could have been great. Like maybe this could have been you know the walking dead but with you know a little bit more of like a wink but uh we didn't get
1: there no not at all and you know what here's the thing you're right i there are glimmers there are you know look they were coming to film there's no reason a zombie TV series couldn't work it bums me out that and you know part of it i thought was kind of revolutionary what amazon was where it's like let's let the viewers pick which shows go forward. Hey, that actually sounds like a great idea. But the problem with this one was, is I feel like it was ready. And I think they must've, if they had just taken a look at it, if they had looked at it soberly and broke down, what didn't work about it, went back to the board, put a little more money into it to figure out what was going mm-hmm. wrong and how they could fix it. There is no mm-hmm. reason that Zombieland could have taken off as a comedic counterpoint to the walking dead and all of its success it could have totally. worked and it could have kept that series the zombie lands it could have kept it relevant and it could yes, have yeah and it could have it, it it could have kept the energy alive for that to better allow for a sequel to be successful you know and maybe <laughs> In workshopping some of these ideas, seeing how they worked on screen over the course of several seasons, maybe by the time that they got to *Zombieland*, *Double Tap*, you know, all the freshness and magic from that first movie, it wouldn't have been dull. It would have been sharpened. It would have been. Hung- but instead, mm-hmm. you know, they gave up on it. You know, they they shot kind of a shitty pilot. You know, that had some uh unfortunate mistakes made at the development stage. uh They threw it out there for put a vote on. It got voted down, writers acted, all hurt, and uh, everybody went their separate yeah, ways. Were, they, they yeah, were. and it didn't. And uh, So maybe that's the thing that disappoints me most, and what I really come away with from this uh, this last time, which is there are seeds there. There are seeds, had they been tended properly, I think given as something as it is, mm-hmm. it's always going to stand as kind of it's a
0: perfect choice for development of the podcast. And I appreciate you pushing us in this direction. Um, do you think that there is a future for this franchise in some capacity? There's two questions here. Do you think there is a future and do you want
1: there to be? For Zombieland? Um, you know what? I would like nothing more than for, uh, what are we at now? Let's say eight years from, you know, get the gang back together, see where those characters are. I would like nothing more to walk into a Zombieland triple threat, (laughs) let's say, or something, you know. Love it already. Love it already. And for it to just... For it to be fantastic. I, you know, to get back some of that magic, do something. As, wow, audience is all over. I would be all about it. But what I don't want is another double tap. What I don't want is another team that's kind of misfire. I, I, if they try it, they got to try to park. What's the point?
0: I agree. And I think, yeah, it right now it's kind of hard to imagine, but I think you're right. Now, unfortunately, we would need some time before it came back to really for it to deserve the space. Yeah, we're Even the last time around I think
1: the space is what kind of stood in its way. The, the space you're absolutely right. The space hurt the first time around. We were you know what? They just need to listen to us. This is a relationship between us the fans and you know the 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 Zombie Land franchise. We asked for more. We didn't get it, and so by the time we did get it, you don't it. Yeah. Was, uh, and although we I think we would have been
0: if it had been better have sunk back into it. I don't think it was a flop financially, I think it actually did okay.
1: did it okay?
0: yeah, and I think it got mediocre r- reviews, if not actually semi good reviews, but there's just no question that it doesn't capture what the first movie captured, like that scene where they where they um they con <laughs> the the girls con the boys. And, you like, you really emotionally believe that she's been bitten and that he has to kill her and she gets the gun. You know what I'm talking about with, with, in the very first film? Oh, yeah, 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 And, like, that's the kind of magic that they just, you know, it's hard to recapture because it's so good.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, I, like I said, I, 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 if, honestly, who are we? They can make a Zombieland movie tomorrow and go see it. Like, they could make three or four or five more pretty lousy. And we're still going to go one because Mm -hmm. of all of the goodwill. As of yesterday, I wouldn't have. But as of today, absolutely, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, yeah, since
0: 2009, I had no idea. I totally forgot.
1: Yeah. So so as it is, I do I want more? Yes, with reservations. Mm -hmm. But uh, do I expect we'll get more? No, I think we have a question mark. It'll be to see. If we do, I think it is going to be very...
0: Yeah. Or maybe a TV series in 30 years. Who knows? It's Zombieland. You just never know. That's the the tagline to Zombieland. You never know. Rule number
1: 99. (laughs) You just never know.
0: You just don't know. know. You just never know. Hey, Jinx, where can people find you on the
1: internet? Oh, uh so <laughs> you can find my writing on Bloody Disgusting. Uh you can listen to my podcast on Apple or honestly any of your favorite uh podcasts as it were. Uh you can't or just go to screamatics.com. Um if you want to find me on Twitter, uh I'm I'm usually writing all sorts of interesting things on there these days. Uh you can find me there uh at jinx1981, J I X19. And uh or you can find me at Screamatics, that's at Scream. Otherwise, I... I... Yeah, and you can find all of those links to get to Jinx in
0: our show notes. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. And that's a big thank you to Jinx for joining us for a second time on Development Hell. You can also check out our second episode on the Lost Army of Darkness sequel, worth looking into. And you can find them online in our show notes he's all over the place give him a follow all right well that's all for this week hope you enjoyed our episode on zombie land the series and we'll be back with another episode of development hell coming soon to dread the maid joy is the new maid of a royal house whose previous maid disappeared under mysterious circumstances and is now haunting and terrorizing the family joy works to uncover the reason behind the former maid's disappearance The maid will be made available on demand everywhere July 20, 2021, and on Blu-ray August 17, 2021.